Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Uh, Steve Lorenz could not make it on the podcast today. It's uh, he's He's got his own things going on. I'm in Des Moines. Uh, it's hard to get our schedules aligned this week. So it's going to be a solo podcast. We'll be shorter. Uh, we'll, we'll have some audio from the Michigan basketball locker room. Obviously, we're covering the NCAA tournament. Michigan's a two-seed facing Montana. So before the Montana game, got to talk to Luke Yaklich, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, Xavier Simpson. Uh, mostly Yaklich, probably. Probably about 50 to 55% Yaklich. But yeah, we'll, we'll have that uh, for, the, for the back half of this show. Uh, first half. You know, wasn't initially going to do one, but we've gotten some requests that you know, if we even if we can, even if it's less of a podcast, uh, you know, you can tell we're not in a studio. It's not the same kind of audio quality. Some people just just want this, you know, whether it's through your workday or or little little insights or little tips here and there about the team. Uh, so so we're going to bring it to you. Yeah, you know, it's not. Uh, I certainly like doing it. So uh, we'll, we'll keep it up. Anyway, talking Michigan basketball in the NCAA tournament, as I mentioned, they're a two seed. Uh, we don't really need to rehash the, the Big Ten tournament. Uh, some takeaways I had, I thought they played really well. You know, I thought they, they smoked Iowa. I thought they smoked Minnesota. I mean, they, it's not just me thinking that. They literally did. But, no, it's, it's, I thought they did really well. And if I can be blunt, this was my personal take. This is where Steve and I going back and forth on it would be interesting but I thought they were playing very similar to uh, the way they played last year last year they closed the the season on on this great stretch well guess what according to barttorvik.com a great resource for statistical splits and things by the way if you're interested in that stuff uh, Michigan has played with the best adjusted efficiency margin in the country over the last nine games now the snag there is that they've lost three of those games and they were to Michigan State three times. But, but I'm thinking the more I, you know, when I was driving home sat, uh, Sunday from the Big Ten tournament, I just couldn't shake the feeling that Michigan State, it, does last year's team beat that Michigan State team? A team where you have a senior in Matt McQuaid who can go off, or you have someone like Kenny Goins who can go off in the game before. Uh, you know, it just kind of got that experience, that moxie, and then obviously a, a, a team-breaking player in Cassius Winston, Big Ten Player of the Year, you know, Michigan State was excellent, in my opinion, the year, the, a year ago. But I don't think they were a good matchup. I don't know if they had the, the mix of talent and chemistry to beat Michigan and, and the certain things they do well. So, you know, the more I think about that, and this is why, you know, I, I don't think the fans necessarily want to rehash. I don't really uh, know how necessary it is because Michigan State – is the number one two seed. You know, they're, they're thought of as a very highly possible Final Four team. We'll talk about their draw in just a moment. But, you know, does last year's team beat Michigan State if they face off in the Big Ten title game? Does the 2017 team? Maybe. I mean, maybe I'm off base here. But it just – one takeaway I had in addition to the offense got better, uh, the defense looked really good, there are still some growing pains in shot selection. You know, that's – you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they played perfectly because they didn't. But I thought that was a really well-played game. Obviously, getting outscored 10 nothing down the stretch, uh, I can see where fans are concerned about that. I, I Certainly, the hero ball, you know, they were up 13 at one point. They lost by 5. So in, the, in a span of about 16 minutes, they got outscored by 18. So that's significant. You know, we're not trying to brush it aside, but I, I just I wonder if Michigan State, I mean, three times, First time ever in the rivalry that, you know, one team has swept it. Uh, to me, that suggests, you know, considering they're both so good, it just suggests one's a bad matchup for the other. You know, maybe maybe, maybe it'll be proven wrong. Maybe Michigan does have some deficiencies. But, uh, well, I certainly think they do. Maybe, maybe that will hurt them. Uh, but just certainly did not feel... I didn't walk away like I did a week ago. Let's say that. You know, when they went when they lost at Michigan State and the way they lost, I thought they lost their poise. I thought they lost their composure. I thought they they the fouls got to them, the some of the other things that Michigan State was doing got to them. That really felt like a I don't know if choke jobs the right word, but I feel like they let one get away. 
Sunday, they literally did let one get away because they had the lead, but it just, it just, you know, even when they're up 13, it's like, well, you know, Michigan State's going to come back. And if Matt McQuaid's going to hit seven threes, by the way, first time Michigan's allowed more than six threes since January 10th and just the fourth time all season, you know, if McQuaid's going to hit seven threes more than anybody else seems to get on Michigan, period, as a team, you know, sometimes... I don't know. I don't know. You know, certainly, certainly open to dissension there, but it just, just seemed like Michigan was. I, I think Michigan and Michigan State played a very evenly matched game, and Michigan had three or four possessions where they really coughed it up, right? Because a really bad offensive look shot, or you know, you know, say you do a step back three instead of working it to the rim, you know, that sometimes that's as good as a turnover. Now, not always, and Beeline operates under the philosophy that a bad shot is always better than a turnover because a bad shot, you know, a blind squirrel can find a nut. You know, a bad shot can eventually <laughs> go in once in a while. So, you know, those are my thoughts on the, on the, on the tournament. I was there in Chicago. I, I wrote a good amount about the game and, and all three games, but uh, good, good weekend. I think they looked better than they had. You know, still some questions about just how far it goes, but let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how far they can go and and this run. Uh, for those interested in reading it rather than listening to the podcast, hopefully, if you're this far in, you're just going to listen to the podcast. But I, I did two stories. I did ten things to know about Michigan's NCAA tournament draw. We'll talk about that first, and then five reasons Michigan can make the Final Four and five reasons they can't. But starting with this draw. Uh, <laughs> They're facing Montana again. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was a mistake by the committee. I don't know if that was by design by the committee. You know, it was interesting talking to the players in Des Moines. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear Jordan Poole. I think he had a quote about it. He's like, I don't know if they wanted the same jersey colors or what. But whatever it is, that's, that's what it is. And so uh, interesting to do a rematch, especially, you know, uh, I mean, I guess there's really no situation where a rematch makes a lot of sense. You could, I mean, is there a big difference between Bradley and, and and Montana? I mean, they're both in Des Moines. You could literally just have them play different teams, you know. And it's not not to dismiss the you know mid-major teams, but realistically, you're not talking about two you know 15 seeds winning at a very high percentage. And so, uh, yeah, I I have no strong opinion about it. Uh, certainly doesn't help Michigan every all but five points from that game last year, which, by the way, was a well-played game by the Grizzlies. Uh, all but five points last year are back on Montana's team. Michigan, obviously, is missing Muhammad Ali, Abdul-Rahman, Mo Wagner, Duncan Robinson, and Jerron Simmons, who had 10 points in that game. So, you know, certainly doesn't help for Michigan if they're trying to, you know, they're, they're finally not playing Big Ten teams that know all their tendencies. They can finally kind of branch out a little bit and then, boom, playing a team that already spent a week scouting them a year ago. So, you know, I, I think the, I, I still think Michigan will be fine, but, but it is interesting. I think Montana probably higher on the potential upset scale than a typical 15 seed. You know, just looking at them, they, they shoot really well. They're 13th nationally in three-point percentage, hitting 38.6. They don't turn the ball over. They don't, they're not, you know, this, this really aggressive team. They don't succeed on their aggression. They're, they're just a clean, experienced basketball team. They've got four senior starters, uh, very undersized. I'll be curious to see how Michigan approaches this because they start a 6'7 center. And, and so, I mean, do you put Teske in and say, hey, you've got a six-inch advantage, do something about it? Or do you kind of go with Isaiah Livers and say, hey, Teske, you know, you know just the foot quickness. Because, you know, Bobby Moorhead's the, the current center. Now they do, you know, maybe, maybe they can bring back Jamar Coe. I don't know what his injury status is. He's missed 19 games this season, but he averages 15.5 and 9 15 and a half points, nine rebounds. So maybe he comes back and, and that changes things. He's not a three-point guy. He's more of a traditional big. But, yeah, Bobby Moorhead can hit the three. Uh, it's, it's an interesting matchup for sure. I think Michigan, uh, again, not saying, oh, they're in trouble. I just I, I do think they're going to have to be on guard, though. You know, and Montana, 
they made it two years in a row. I think their 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 coach uh, has the has the team heading in the right direction. Saeed Pridgets, uh, a great shooter, you know, and they've got guys who who are transfers from from you know Matt Rory, uh, you know, some of these guys, uh, Michael Aguine, Aguine, uh, you know, they've got guys who were transfers or or were good recruits and just ended up at Montana for some reason. So it's not quite, you know, it's not like the plucky, it's not Hoosiers here, right? This is a, this is a solid team. Now, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year. They're rebounding and some of their post-presence, again, a co missing 19 games certainly doesn't help, but that's a little down. They also lost Fabian uh, Klercevic, uh, their center from last season. So they're a little thin in the front court. And that, that might be something where Michigan maybe doesn't fall behind like they did last year because they're able to, to dominate down there. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be an interesting game to watch. However, my one, I understand some of our listeners will listen on after the game Thursday night, and I also understand that realistically, solid chance Michigan wins. I mean, the... the I think the Ken Palm win probability is 93%. Uh, it hasn't been that high for Michigan since they played Binghamton, you know, in December. So this will be a, a very winnable game for the Wolverines. Whether they do it, of course, remains to be seen. But but I I think I think it's worth looking at the rest of the bracket. And and there were some tendencies that really uh, surprised me with this bracket. I know. When it happened, everyone was like, wow, Michigan State has to play Duke. And Michigan gets a, a regional in a neutral site. L.A.'s probably, or Anaheim, probably favors Michigan over any other team. Gonzaga, uh, not really. Texas Tech, not really. Florida State, I mean, you saw how it was last year. Uh, you know, this is, this is probably going to be a pro-Michigan event if, if they can get there. But at the same time, getting there is tougher. You know, if you're, if you're Michigan State, as much as you don't want to see Duke in the Elite Eight, your three seeds, uh, you know, LSU, which you don't even know if they have a coach, and you don't know what's going to happen with that program. You have, uh, you know, your four seeds, Virginia Tech, a team that lost to Penn State before Penn State heated up. You know, it's your five seed. I mean, you can go down the list, and it's like you know Louisville, Minnesota. It feels like Michigan State could crush both those teams. I know they lost to Louisville earlier this year, but that was overtime. Uh, I think there were some some things that were exceptions to the rule for Michigan State in that game. And so, anyway, point being, I feel like Michigan State's draw to the Elite Eight is easier than Michigan's draw. And the reason why I say that is that you know Texas Tech, number one defense in the country heavily experienced Nevada second most experienced team in the country like they've returned everybody Uh, they've got NBA caliber players in the Martin twins Jazz Johnson's no slouch either I don't know if he's on any any NBA boards but uh, he's certainly a guy who could probably transfer to a Big Ten school and be a legit starter right away so they've probably got three guys of that level and then you know Florida I mean Florida they, they basically they're a top 30 team if you look at the efficiency margins and, and metrics and some of the advanced stats. They just lost a lot of games, close games. They played a tough schedule. And so, yeah, I mean, I look at, I look at the, that second round. That's a tricky matchup. I mean, neither of those teams, I mean, I, I think every Michigan fan in the world would rather play Louisville or Minnesota. Uh, you know, so it, despite Florida and Nevada being maybe smaller brands or maybe uh, didn't have the win like Louisville had at North Carolina. I mean, to, uh, I don't know. They're both heating up. And and then, you know, looking at the rest of the bracket, one seed Gonzaga, uh, you know, three seed Texas Tech, four seed Florida State, five seed Marquette. Every single and, – and eight seed Syracuse, which I don't think you should count out. I mean, every single team in the top eight for, for in Michigan's bracket has a top 40 defense. And, and five of them have top 105 experience. You know, the guy's coming back. And, and I know you're thinking, uh, you know, Tech, Duke doesn't have experience. Kentucky doesn't have experience. North Carolina doesn't have experience. But you know what? It does help when you're pulling off some of these upsets or when you're, when you're playing above your seed ranking. 
I mean, look at Michigan last year. How much were Muhammad Ali, Abdur Rahman, Duncan Robinson, and then also Mo Wagner, all multi-year starters? How much were they carrying the boat? The year before, how much were Zach Irvin and Derek Walton Jr. carrying the boat? And on the postseason, there's always exceptions every year. But it just seems, by and large, when multi-year starters, guys who've been around the block a couple times, when they get to the postseason, whether they play with desperation or they play with wisdom or both, just seems like they do really well. So, you know, I look at Nevada, I look at Montana, you know, Texas Tech, Gonzaga, Florida State brings back basically the entire team. And there's a couple teams in here that, that might want a revenge tour. It's a very strangely similar bracket. I mean, you know, they play Montana in in a, in the Great Plains and they have a maybe a potentially underseeded 6 or 7 seed, Houston and Nevada from a mid-major conference with NBA talent. And then if they win, they go to the LA area where it could be Gonzaga or Florida State. You know, it's it's fascinating how easy it could be. By the way, Buffalo's in the same category, experienced defensive oriented I, I forgot to neglected to mention them they're the sixth seed uh, we'll see we'll see who it is but I think you know I, I think it, it's kind of a I don't know if tough draw because like every everything's a tough draw you know when I say t- you're facing oh top 20 opponents I mean by the time you get to the second weekend it's a sweet 16 if you're not facing a top 20 opponent you're facing someone that just beat a top 20 opponent so I don't, I don't know how much is, you know, worth picking apart. This draw is tougher than that. All I know is Michigan's offense is going to have to be better, you know, and, I, I, and they're going to have to play really wise or really smart. And I think, I think they're pretty good at that. I mean, they don't, they don't turn the ball over a lot. They don't foul a lot. Uh, you know, there's the solid decision-making on the defensive end, but there's definitely some issues with so- shot selection. You know, and it, it's not even – this isn't even like some – armchair opinion this is straight up from the coaches and the players I mean there's just you know understanding and this is what Michigan's offense all about under beeline understanding when to shoot when to pass when to drive when to rotate you know and and I think sometimes when the game gets tight and let's say they're facing a team with a good interior defense you know good post defense or or they're playing a matchup zone or or you know they're pressing a little bit sooner or the shot clock's running out. It's like, you know, it's just you don't want to do jab, jab, three or something, you know, or, or, or pass, pass back, three. Realistically, I mean, teams can shut that stuff down. And, you know, unless you're an elite, elite shooter. But Michigan, I, if there's an elite, elite shooter, maybe Isaiah Livers, but, you know, I, I don't – I think he's a good – I think he's a great shooter. I don't know if he's, like, going to shoot over good defenses consistently. So there's certainly – some issues but you know I outlined in the five reasons they can make it five reasons they can't there's also some intriguing reasons Michigan can I mean that defense uh certainly certainly that defense will keep them in every game I mean they've held nine opponents this season out of 24 different opponents to their worst offensive output of the year they rank in the top 15 in preventing free throws preventing two-point makes and preventing three-point makes like teams go up against Michigan and they're like there's no avenue that we can score so that that allows them to shut down a lot of different kinds of offenses I think that's really notable you know so um, by the way uh, you know back to the offense I think they've they've played really well offensively they're averaging about 109 points per 100 possessions 1.09 points per possession over the last nine games they're facing an average of a top 35 defense every night. You know, that's, that's, the, that's one thing to keep in mind about the Big Ten. That sometimes when they look bad, you can go look nationally. I mean, Iowa in the tournament, Wisconsin in the tournament, Penn State in the net rankings, they were a top 40 team. So, you know, they didn't make the tournament because their record wasn't any good. But worth noting, if you're, if you're concerned about Michigan, they're very battle-tested, and actually, here's a stat for that. So far this season, Michigan and Michigan State tied for the nation's lead with 19 Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 wins. And you can go look up the quadrants if you want, but basically, it's top... I mean, this is going to end up being top 75 games adjusted for location. So top 60 at home, 
top top 125 on the road, I believe, maybe top 100 on the road, top 75 in neutral site. So, you know, against good teams, tournament caliber teams, they are 19 and 6. Michigan State's also 19 and 6. And that 19 and 6, you know, you can read this one of two ways. The fact that they're 0 and 3 against Michigan State. You can read that as a failure, and I, I certainly that's certainly an opinion you can hold. But you could also look at it and say, well, other than this one team that probably studies Michigan more than anybody else, Michigan's 28 and 3, and they're 19 and 3 against good teams. So, you know, they're very battle-tested. I mean, they've, you know, 19 quadrant one and two wins. That's more than more than anybody else, significantly more than most teams. I mean, I was looking through the Duke's got 16, some of these other teams, uh, you know, Virginia's only got 16. They're not, you know, they're still battle-tested. They're still very good. They very well could beat Michigan. But in Michigan, at least you know they're not going to be in some game and be like, wow, I can't believe we're facing a team this good. Because they've probably faced a team that good. I mean, they've beaten basically, uh, you know, 19 wins, nine quadrant one wins. I mean, they've beaten a lot of good teams, including a one seed, uh, including, including a four seed, a five seed, a six seed. You know, seven seeds, so on and so on. You know, so so there's some intriguing stuff. Uh, but Alex Hinton had a question: Which team do I think is the most dangerous in this bracket? And I think, I think it's got to be Texas Tech, because you know, Michigan's faced a lot of good defenses. They faced 17 or 17 of their 34 games have been against top 40 defenses. But they're you know, they're 13 and four in those games. Not a amazing record. But they've been able to score. They've been able to score on a defense like Wisconsin's. They've been able to score on a defense like, well, they score on Michigan State. You know, it's not enough. But it's, but they, you know, I don't know if the offense was necessarily the, the major sore spot. It just seemed like execution at certain times was the sore spot, which is relevant. Uh, but, you know, they've been able to score on a defense like Penn State's, a defense like Maryland's, a defense like Minnesota's. I mean, these are teams that, really do well defensively basically everyone but Iowa in the Big Ten and so but but when they face top tier teams top 10 defenses they're two and four and Texas Tech is better they have a better defense than Michigan you know and they're able to force force turnovers like crazy force misses like crazy it's just it's 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 on a different level and I wonder what Michigan's offense will look like there and they also have a you know a great playmaker in Jarrett Culver, and I don't think their offense is is that much to write home home about. That's why they're a three seed, not a one seed. But you know Texas Tech, uh, second nationally in shooting defense, eleventh in turnover rate forced. I mean they can really, really, really shut you down. Uh, you know and Jarrett Culver, seen him pop on a on a couple All American lists, and you know he's he's going to be able to make some plays. And there's a reason this team is one of the hottest teams in the country. I know they lost to West Virginia. That dilutes the argument. But, you know, they went, they went 10-1 and down the stretch against a very good conference in the Big 12. You know, it's a conference without that many breaks. There aren't that many teams that you can take a snooze. Their one loss at Kansas. That's it since January 22nd. So I think they're the most intimidating one. I think... It, they kind of remind me of North Carolina last year, where I think they could get upset, and if they do, I think you really like Michigan's chances of advancing. You know, Gonzaga's very good. Florida State's better than they were last year. Uh, but I just, I don't know, I, I look at it, and I think if they can get by Texas Tech or get around Texas Tech where they don't have to face them, maybe Buffalo upsets them or Arizona State upsets them, uh, you you probably do like Michigan's chances of making it. So... Um, you know, other, other things to keep in mind. Uh, I, I mentioned Michigan. I think they're very tough and battle-tested. But they also have an experienced, good point guard. They have, they have a coach who, uh, you know, statist- he's 15-5 and five over the last seven years in NCAA tournament games. And, and he, he, Bart Torvik, again, has a great stat looking at performance above seed expectation. Beeline leads the country. If anyone can, you know, get the most out of their team, it's him. And and then they also have, you know, a lot of guys who can score 
I mean, they have six guys who have scored 20 points or more against tournament teams. Isaiah Livers most recent to do so against Minnesota, you know, this weekend. So, you know, they, I don't know. I, I see a lot of reasons they can make it. You know, Matthew's health, Charles Matthew's health is a concern. Shot selection is a concern. Uh, inexperience is a concern. I mean, the lack of depth. They have two guys. You know, last year they had guys who had 100 starts under their belt, 120 starts under their belt by the time they, they got to the tournament. Same with the year, year before. This year, Charles Matthews is their leading starter with 75 career starts. Xavier Simpson's got around 65. It's, it's a different kind of team. And, I, you know, there's inexperienced teams that make it all the time. And Michigan is, I don't know if young is necessarily the perfect word to describe them. They're kind of middle of the road youth-wise, on the lower end experience-wise. But also, if they face a team that has four senior starters and is putting it all on the line because this is the end of their careers, I mean, you know, good teams lose all the time. You can have all these pieces, and the luck just isn't there. You think UMBC was legitimately better than Virginia? I mean, you can have your opinion. I, I don't think that's right. I think they just, they just got stung on the wrong night, and they had the stuff fall against them. You know, maybe the, the ball bounces the wrong way here and there. Maybe that happened against Michigan State. Anyway, we can talk a little bit less about the bracket, more about Michigan's mentality. I uh, got to talk to players today, got to see them in practice and also in the locker room. You know, I think Xavier Simpson, you'll hear him. I think he said it best, you know. People were asking what the mood was like. Was it hard to refocus? He was like, well, we lost a championship game. What do you expect? Of course it was hard, you know, and, and it's different than the last two years. I mean, the coaches had to kind of restore confidence, say, hey, you're the two seed. Years prior, they had a banner and a title in their hands, and so they're like, all right, let's, let's keep the party going. So it's a little different. It's a, a little bit different of a dynamic, you know, I, and that's where I think playing well against Montana is really important. You know, beating Montana is the most important, but I think playing well is really important for them to to kind of get in that into that groove again because Michigan State is you know it's the only team Michigan's lost to in the last month <laughs> it's like they'll get in a groove they'll blow past Minnesota on the road and then they lose to Michigan State and then they'll they'll beat Nebraska at home they'll beat Maryland on the road in a great win and then they'll lose to Michigan State and then they you know blow out Iowa and Minnesota lose to Michigan State so you know Certainly, <laughs> certainly that makes it seem like things are falling apart more, but they have played really well. You know, so I, I think you know, I got to talk to Yaklich uh, about his, you know, they, they call it the yes faces where they instill confidence in the team, and, and it's all about, you know, yes, it's going to happen. Yes, this is what's next. You know, less, less about the past, less about worrying about what's going to go wrong, more about, you know, trying to figure out what's going to go right. So, yeah, interesting locker room. Uh, anyway, I guess without further ado, uh, we can go ahead and, and take a listen. You guys can hear for yourself. Uh, Luke Yaklich starting first, then Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, Xavier Simpson. Apologies in advance. There's obviously going to be more ambient noise because we are in a locker room. Um, but, but, you know, go ahead and have a listen, see what's, what the latest with the team is. As a freshman, he is simply he, the, the thing that is able to allow him to fit in fast is just his, his IQ. He really has a high basketball acumen and an understanding of spacing and concepts and really can pick up things very quickly when you go from the film room to the court and then from a drill to five on five. There's a lot of carryover with Nicky. He's a very, very smart player. When did you first see that? I think, uh, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I saw it probably a little bit in Europe, but more, more importantly in the middle of September and then into October. And then when we went probably to Villanova and won, it was kind of, he just had him every day he grew and he always asked great questions. And he really also had the mindset that he always wanted to be 
you know, throughout the recruiting process, he wanted to be an elite two-way player. And you know, there was a little chip on his shoulder that, that people said he, he doesn't he doesn't want to guard. And he proved this year that uh, you know, he is a more than capable defender and he's had a really really productive freshman year. It's hard to do what he's done um, from a defensive standpoint, from scheme, who you're playing, who you're guarding. And he's rolled that all into, into one. So really proud of him. And, and again, our, our guys have helped him along. We have good good leadership that's helped him adjust as well. Thank you. Yes, how are you? How you doing, brother? Great to see you, brother. What is, what's the biggest difference between Montana last year and Montana this year? Well, the, the obvious is experience. You know, and, and it's you, you can't really put a price tag on that or judge it. Uh, but overall, they just have they're they're more an all-around skilled team. At any point, they can put uh, three or four guys on the floor, sometimes five, that can all dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, they do a great job of taking care of the ball, and then they just create and put pressure on you to guard well as a team throughout the course of the game. Because if one or two guys are out of sync defensively, they have somebody on the floor that's going to make you pay. So I think. You know, the, the skill level, the experience, and uh, the growth that uh, their staff has done in skill development and the, the players, how they've grown skill-wise, are, you know, it's it's a testament to them. You watch a lot of film on them last year, then you watch this year, and you, you just see a team that's grown. And, again, their, their coaching staff, their players uh, have a veteran group. They play like veterans, they act like veterans, and then they have a freedom within their system to play. Um, and they do it well because they're really skilled. Look, how did the coaching staff help the guys after Sunday kind of regroup and refocus for, for this weekend? I, I think you we help our, our, our players by what we've done and what Coach B has established in the 12 years he's been here is that you know, you're going to prepare the same way every, every game. Um, you're going to understand and learn from your mistakes. And then you're not going to let it let it dwell on. So at the end of the day, we watch our film, we make our adjustments, we understand, and we learn from a loss. Um, and Coach has a great phrase. He always says, you don't lose, you learn. And we learn from that loss. Hopefully we can apply those lessons. And the great thing about you know, our program is that you know, when you do have a slip-up and you, you take an L, you come back um, with a better effort the next game. We certainly hope that it's, it's true of uh, this game. And the other side of it is that it's the NCAA tournament. You're the two-seed, right? It didn't work out on Sunday the way we wanted it to, but there's a lot of teams that want, would love to be in our position, and you have an opportunity to win one game, which leads you to another game, and hopefully, uh, you know, for our goal of winning a national championship. But that's that's how we approach everything is that next job is to beat Montana and we got to prepare to do that we learn from the Michigan State loss and we move on was it harder to do that What's last year they were on a month and month, month change winning streak winning the Big Ten and everything I mean was it harder to get them in that hey we're the two seed we're confident we're, oh, we're for, on a roll still yeah for sure there was uh, you know we had that week off last year it was a little different um, but it, it, at the end of the day um, you know it took a little bit of time uh, just to get the mindset right. There's some disappointment there, obviously, uh, dealing with uh, with the loss in, in that environment, obviously, in that, that type of game. So that's human nature and part of sports. But our kids are really resilient. And, uh, you know, we're ready to go. And that that is we're, we're beyond that. We kind of flushed that out, and we're ready and focused entirely on Montana. You're number one in the country in defense, but just to get the sense that you're not satisfied. Would you ever be satisfied? No, yeah. uh, no, never satisfied. I think there's always ways that we can grow, and uh, as a defensive unit, and there's always mistakes you look at and say we coulda, shoulda, woulda, and uh, you you take those coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and you turn them into. Um, film opportunities and then on the court discussions and you hope to not make those mistakes again uh, but we have really good defensive players we have a really good plan each and every night um, we always you know three coaches and our entire staff do a great job of trying to prepare as best that we can and our players are really excited about learning it and, and about winning so uh, they know that our, our culture is based on in part on some def defensive effort and 
we want to keep growing. So the uh, it's great where we're at, but you're only as good as your as your last game and your next game is your entire focus. So we're we're excited about that. But the the defensive part is, you know, it's been good this year. It's helped us win some games, uh, and we hope it uh, can help us get six more. Uh, yes. Luke, ever since um, Charles, you know, went down with that injury and Isaiah yes. stepped into his starting role, yeah. he kind of has been, you know, had some of his best games. Is there anything different that you've seen from him ever since then? Yes, I, I think there's a, there is a growing uh, confidence level in him that you see in pregame warm-ups, you see in practice, you see in the film room, and you see obviously in his play on the court. Isaiah's a kid that has uh, been able to guard five different positions for us at, at different times this year. Uh, he's had big games, and you just start to see like this consistency and you get consistency from confidence you get confidence confidence from game reps and he's just taken all of this in stride and really from where he was a year ago to where he is right now is a testament to his work ethic and his mindset because um, he's a incredible uh, practice player doesn't have many bad practices and he always wants to learn and when you have that combination along with being a high-level athlete and a really good player good things are going to happen and you start to see that take off now. Do you think there's any specific thing that's like the source of that growth in confidence? And I, I think for Isaiah, it's just his daily habits. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't get too high and too low. He's really matured. He used to have some up and downs as freshmen. As a freshman, um, those up and down days have gone are few and far between now. Mm-hmm. So his daily habits are better, um, and he's a more focused player on accepting taking and using the criticism and the um, you know, teaching points from the coaches and applying them directly to his game. Was he ever frustrated with not having you know, a starting role this year when he did last year? I think every every player you know that has you know is in that mix to start would love to start so I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that you know there's part of probably him that wants to start but the great thing about Isaiah is he's all about the team and all about winning. Uh, so whatever we asked him to do as a coaching staff he always did it and then ultimately when you know Charles got hurt he said, you're going to start and this he just immediately stepped in I didn't have any um, it was no surprise in what what Isaiah did so he's really good friends with Jordan Poole yes. do you think that relationship has like has that helped him on the court uh, I think <laughs> I think all of our guys uh, the relationships that our guys have with each other um, you know, they, they help each other a lot. So to quantify that, I don't know how much, but I know uh, that uh, those two are, uh, that their confidence uh, kind of goes through osmosis with each other. Mm-hmm. Is he someone, I mean, you mentioned him as selfless. Is he someone that sometimes you have to push him to be a little bit more selfish, get to the rim, you know, understand his probably, size and his strength? That's probably a, a area of growth that we were really, you know, at times frustrated with last year that, Go to the rim, Harvey. Right. <laughs> Will you please use your body? Those type of things were, those were pretty, in every everyday occurrences. Sure. Say it that way. <laughs> and then um, this year, those those men, those type of things are few and far between. And he's taken just every little bit of coaching advice that we have, and he wants to get better. And the thing about Isaiah is he always internalizes things, and he reflects on it, and he really takes what you're saying to heart. And then he tries to process that and then take it out to the court. So he, he's a terrific kid and, um, you know, happy for, you know, his growing role and his growing uh, development. Uh, off topic, but I think last week DeAndre mentioned the phrase yes faces, and that's yes. something you guys come in and bring yep. to these tournaments, I no guess. Doubt. I don't know anything about it, so I'm curious what the origin of it is, and then what is it? What does it think, do? I uh, think there's. Um, I think it's more of a positive psychology um, approach to things, and it really, I think, the the mindset of yes, yes faces is coincides and kind of inter, intersects with 
the whole um, you know next play mentality that okay. I can't get down, I can't get frustrated, I can't turn my turn my back, I can't throw my hands up in the air if I'm frustrated about something. It's got to be a yes face, and we're on yes, I can do the next right thing, and that's kind of the mindset um, that we have in our entire program, and that coaches kind of laid the foundation for. Okay, so it starts coaches like like this week. Coaches yeah. bring it, you know, when they get here, when they arrive. Yeah, Are the captain's told to bring it too, or is it kind of? Yeah, a, I mean, it's an every it's, it's an everyday thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's an everyday thing that when it's something uh, negative happens, it doesn't go exactly as planned. That uh, you embrace the moment uh, as an opportunity to grow, and you you need a yes face to do it. Is there a good example from this season when a yes face was extra important? Well, I think there's there's quite a few of them. Um, sure. I, I think in general, speaking in general, that uh, you know after after missed shots and turnovers um, or a, a foul when you come out of a game that you don't let the emotion of the mistake uh, carry over. So I, I think you, whether you see it, a missed shot doesn't cause you to get down and then let down on the defensive end of the court. So I think those probably are the things that we look for most uh, in those situations. Thanks yeah, a lot. Great to, yeah, great to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. How are you, buddy? Um, you can't dwell on too much. We got more games, and uh, we have another task ahead of us. So just put it in time. Yep. What's this? What's this year been like for you overall? The whole season. <laughs> Is that too big a question to ask? Yeah, as far as as far as what's it been like as you've gone from your role last year to your role now? What's it been like as an experience? I mean, it's been a transition. Last year I didn't really play too much. Um, I'll play a lot this year. I don't know. It's just been a drastic change, I guess. And what what's what, what things are you still? What things do you think you're doing really well? What things do you think you maybe still come along with? So, um, you know, obviously he kind of started in the position that you played last I don't know. I can't even process it right now. I mean, I feel like, I'm saying we're, we're a good team. I, I, I can't even think about me trying to think about how I am personally right now. Uh, I mean, we're just trying to win games, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Uh, come on and try to have a big game. But if not, then try to... Find a way to help the team win is really important. Isaiah was saying that on Monday or wherever earlier in the week, guys were talking about the, you know the, the my bad stuff's over. It's time to. Right. What does that mean to you when you hear that? I mean, we've had a. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've had a long season. I mean, and then I guess you learn and you mess up a couple of times and you just basically want to learn from the mistakes. I think that was a quote from Coach B and Isaiah just quoted it. So. Yeah. That was him said that. Yeah, Coach B. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Jordan, were you surprised when you first found out that you guys were playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely was a little bit surprised. I don't know what the committee, if they wanted to see the matchup or how the colors looked on the court or something. <laughs> Being able to see the, us play the, together two years in a row is, um, is quite interesting. And I guess how, how much different do they look? I guess they have a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Um, they look extremely talented, as they did last year. They're a really good team. You can't let, let the seeding kind of determine how you match up against teams. They're an extremely good team. They shoot threes. They attack the basket. Um, they're active on the glass. I mean, it's a really good team. And just being able to uh, to see that they have a lot of guys back from the last year's team who gave us a pretty good fight earlier on, um, it'll just be a good game. I guess how glad are you to kind of get out the Big Ten grind? People kind of know you pretty well. And it's kind of I was super excited to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely excited. You getting a little too familiar? Yes. Tennis season, right? Yeah, definitely. Seeing the same same way people guard me, uh, face guarding. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure like if if the teams that we play in the tournament, they look at our earlier games, they'll see like, oh, well, that's a way to guard them, I guess. But um, hopefully, they didn't watch those games. But that's part of the adjustment that you were talking about earlier, right? That's just yeah, part of your game for sure. Now. You got to just add to it, bro. I mean, I definitely don't want to see it, but if it happens, and I'll, I'm, uh, I have a little bit of experience. I feel like I was uh, going down a stretch. I was playing pretty well with the way that people were yeah. switching it up. But I mean, you learn from it. How tough is that to maybe navigate the ups and downs from a mental standpoint? What you mean? Just the highs and lows that come with it. Maybe you're not getting what you hope and yeah, yeah. You gotta go out there and play. I mean, just, it, it comes if I'm standing in the corner or if I'm in the ball screen or if I'm getting open looks. Or I'm not just 
At the end of the day, you just hope you win the game. I mean, I feel like that's really all it boils down to. Um, try to win as many games as we can in these uh, these next couple of weeks. <laughs> Uh, really just enjoy the moment. You know, last year that's what we did a good job of doing, um, embracing every challenge, embracing every good moment that came with it, and uh, taking everything one game and one day at a time. When you um, when you when you watch guys like Mo, uh, Muhammad Ali, and Duncan last year, what did you? What was the biggest thing you got from maybe in terms of leadership? Uh, just their maturity. You know. Um, and then their selflessness. Um, those are two guys that really surrendered themselves for the greater good of the team and uh, showed with the team. And uh, we was able to have a lot of success because of that. Yes, and how have you tried to apply that this year? Yeah, just just trying to encourage everybody that you know everybody's on the heat. Um, you know, let's continue to put winning first and see how see how far that can take us. And it's taking us pretty far. What do you think? What do you like about this team? When we put it all together, we we something scary, and uh, we've shown that on multiple occasions. So now it's just like we only got to do it for six times. Literally, let's just lock in and do this six times. We've done it, we've done it more than six times all season long. And, uh, it's like the whole country know how scary we can be when we when we got everything clicking on all cylinders. Do you feel like that's a function of your defense? Because I know it seems like when there are games that you guys lose, the shooting kind of escapes you. But how much of it? Is yeah. incumbent upon you guys playing the defense. Uh, uh, us being defensively locked in give us a lot of easy baskets. So that that kind of you know sparks the offense as well. But just trying to get it done on both ends of the floor. So hopefully you know we can get a lot of stops and get out and run and uh, you know play some fun basketball. How's your rehab going? It's going well. You know, still still staying diligent with uh, with the process and uh, staying up to date with everything. You said you weren't quite 100% last week, or would you say you're 100% now, or is it going to be a thing? No, I just played okay. good game. <laughs> I know that won't be the case, but I'm, I'm good enough to play. There's no excuses on this, and I'm ready to compete. Charles, have you been following the Chicago basketball scene since you graduated? I haven't. I, I did. So, being like, telling myself to be locked in before shots or before games or things like that helps out a lot more than uh, an, an individual would think. When that whistle happens, though, to just walk into the line, is, is there is there a phrase that you keep repeating or any any word? No, I try to I try to stay away from that. I just tell myself, just I just when I just look at the rim, I make sure I look at the rim. You can look at the rim and just and be thinking about something else. So like, when I look at the rim, I want to say locked in, stay locked in. That's pretty much it. I try to stay away from doing a certain routine because sometimes that stuff will happen. Then you don't want your mind to think, oh, I didn't do that, so it's not going to go in. But all of it's just mental. I just want to tell myself to be locked in. Um, that's pretty much it. Had you ever thought about it before, you know, this year? You know, Actual, the, the mental part of it, what, what you need to be. I, I, I didn't. I knew I was going to have an opportunity to present my, my free throws percentage. I know people teams were going to try me because um, I was not a, the best free throw shooter. So I just told myself that um, I was going to try to make them pay. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not even actually. I, I was told myself that I'm just going to make it for the sake of my, for the sake of helping my team. Okay. I, I'm not really a guy to try to do this to make that team pay. I just want to do this to help my team type okay. type thing. So that's what my kind of my mindset. Do this to help your team. Don't do this to make them pay. Do this to help your team. Um, and it's just I made made some, and it just feels back back to normal now, honestly. And then just last thing about this, like in, in practice, the way you practice it, um, how do you guys simulate games? Just take two, and next guy comes. Take two. We do that. Sometimes we get reps in, but sometimes we do things like um, the two teams be at both ends. Um, there might be some loud music or some distractions by the managers, certain things like that. We have to make two free throws before moving on. So I think that that's that, that definitely helped a lot. Um, yeah. Thank you. Man. No problem. So was, it, was it difficult to get off the mat Monday after the way that they ended it? Was yeah. I, it, we lost the championship. I know what I mean. I mean, Monday when you guys go back to practice, what was that? We just we wanted to focus on Montana. Yeah. Our focus was Montana. Was that easy to do? Was it easy to flip the switch? Um, I mean, if we want to do well in the tournament, we have to focus on Montana first. So it better be easy or it better get easy for us. Xavier said that coach, or somebody said earlier this week, that the time for the my bad stuff is, is over. What does, that, what does that mean? That means there's no more times for my bad. Do your job. Do what you asked to do. And I can't be Charles and myself.
Thank you guys so much. Yeah. I mean, uh, is that hard for some of the younger guys to get? I mean, you're an older guy, Charles. An older guy, I mean, it, it probably is because they're still learning. Yeah. But effort and um, effort should not be questioned. You should be the. Um, you can't control every shot goes in, but yeah. if you give effort every play. That's you should, you should be able to control that. Uh, we expect everybody to work as hard as one as they can. Every single possession, stay together. So if you make a mistake, make it. Make it fast. Make it. You know. No, try not to make a mistake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you do, if you do make a mistake, let the mistake be that you missed the open three. Let, let not the mistake be a 50-50 ball that someone opposing team dive on the ground for and you didn't. That that shouldn't be a mistake. You see the ball like he see the ball. Get on the ground. With all that, do you or have get to, out. Do you have to remind yourself that you guys you won 28 games? No, that's in the past. Seasons, you're good. No, that we we are. That's in the past. We gotta. We want to do. If we want to do something that we plan to do, we have to take it weekend by weekend, game by yeah. game. So there's no more times for my bads or, or 50 50 players or hard work. If you're not working hard, you're not helping the team. So get out. You guys got face. young guys, but you got guys that were here last year too. Do you feel like you've got you've got enough of that? We got sort of mindset. What, what we need is what we have in this locker room. And, um, there's no more times for my bad. Uh, you missed three shots in a row. You can't control that. But you just stay confident in the all. But if guys, if it's a ball right there, or you want to or you got crossed over and failed, and guys about to shoot, get up and close out. That's what I'm telling you. Coach Jakovic was talking in that same regard. If you're going to make a mistake, move on quickly you know, regarding the yes faces. Is that a phrase they pass on to you guys, or is that more of a coach's thing? That's, def that's Coach B phrase. Um, okay. There's a long story behind it. Uh, but he's definitely a big, big guy on yes faces. <laughs> What does it What does it do for you guys to, to have those? To have those. Have that yes face, the confidence, kind of the you're gonna do it. Next and let us know yeah. that that you're still that you're, you're mentally locked in. And right now we need all guys to be mentally locked in. And then Charles mentioned you guys have discussed you know, six games, just putting it all together. I mean, what what makes that hard to do? What has made that hard to do? And what makes you believe you can do it in the next next two or three weeks? We just gotta stay locked in. Take it game by game, practice by practice, get better every single day, and um, hopefully to be in the best position. And there you go from Xavier Simpson. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed that. I know this isn't your typical podcast, but uh, trying to put something together for you guys for the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, have some content to listen to. Maybe as you're waiting for the brackets to start, for the games to start. Uh, but but for 24-7 Sports, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories. You know, myself and Josh Henske are down here writing up a storm, uh, getting trying to get as much content out of here uh, you know, for you guys to read and enjoy and, and hear the stories of this team as possible. We'll see what happens tonight, uh, Thursday night, playing Montana. And then, you know, if they win, which we expect, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens Saturday. But anyway. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next week.